The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Yeah, a warm welcome to a very important squat box and a very important business day because it hasn't happened in more than a decade. Markets awaiting today's blockbuster Federal Reserve decision with the central bank poised to cut rates for the first time since the financial crisis. In corporate news, Apple shares jumping in after-hours trade as the tech giant beats expectations and returns to growth in the third quarter. But iPhone sales miss estimates. China's manufacturing activity falls for a third straight month as President Trump launches a fresh attack over Beijing's trade policies, tempering expectations for progress in a new round of talks. And Airbus beats second quarter expectations and backs its guidance for the year, but warns of delivery and cash flow challenges in the second half. Really, really important day. Lots of numbers hitting the wires as well. I can see Solvay, I can see OMV, I can see Luxottica, uh, Fopac is out, Swiss refigures, uh, net income up 2.5%. But clearly, yes, there's a lot of corporates. Yes, this is the busiest week yet of the earnings reporting season as well. Uh, but as we uh, said in our blockbuster headline, this is the <laughs> first time a whole generation of traders will have seen anything in terms of a rate cut from uh, the U.S. Federal Reserve. That's exciting, Steve. And uh, the big question is, how much are they going to go for? The market is pricing in a uh, full chance, full, yeah. Eighty-one percent. Well, eighty-one percent chance of a fifty basis point cut. Twenty-five percent basis. Uh, Twenty-five basis point this time around, yeah. Uh, 25 basis points, indeed. But the market, uh, there are some people out there still that are perhaps hoping for a 50 basis points cut, even though the Fed themselves have been trying to distance themselves away from that. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting one, this one, because uh, most people are calling it an insurance cut and in that the Fed are trying to be proactive, trying to get ahead of the curve uh, in case we do start to see those softer inflation okay. prints be sustained. Fabulous. We'll talk more about that. You and I have got that. lots to talk yep. about on that front throughout the world. Now, just to remind all international broadcasters out there, you wait for the numbers to hit the wires before you release the figures, okay? All right, <laughs> you got that, everyone out there? Okay, you can beat, but only if they're on the wires. All right, Credit Suisse second quarter net income attributable to shareholders, 937 million Swiss francs. The second quarter pre-tax profit, 1.3 billion Swiss francs. The return on tangible equity has come in, uh, well, 9.7%. But if you round that, as you all know there, uh, you can get to 10% if you round it to the whole figure as well. And that is no mean feat given where they were. Did a little bit of work looking back. Uh, back last year, that rote figure was 6%. Their target by 2021 is to get the rote above uh, 12% as well. Interesting looking at the performance of the shares versus their, their great rival UBS. And there has been a 16% uh, divergence on these shares so far this year. Interesting Credit Suisse, which sometimes trades at a significant discount, no longer. Yes, the shares uh, in Credit Suisse uh, have rallied, as you can see, 8.8% this year, whereas their rival at UBS is down by a similar margin. Well, look, someone who's been looking at Credit Suisse as long as I have, in fact, certainly in more forensic detail than I have done over the last decade, is Carolyn Roth. And it's a real welcome to you back. You're in your home stomping ground, back at the uh, the Zurich 
um, hub, so to speak. Of course, you'd have seen the UBS numbers last week, Carolyn, as well. Uh, what do you make of these figures? Is Tijan Tiem back on track? He's been on, back on track for a couple of quarters. As we know that he, he has uh, finished that restructuring that's taken three years and he has successfully implemented that. And again, the market is believing his story. That's why, as you say, the shares are up 11, 12% so far this year. They've easily outperformed those of Crosstown rival UBS. And the valuation at this point in time seems really compelling. So the numbers that we're seeing this morning, again, they seem to be a testament of what T. Gentium and his team have been doing here over the the last couple of years, it looks like a clear beat at first glance. And I add first glance because we know with these banking numbers, the devils are always in the details. But so far, I haven't found the fly in the ointment. The net income of 937 million Swiss francs, that easily beat expectations. A group pre-tax of 1.3 billion, that's also ahead of forecasts. The net income number, that's an increase of 45% year on year. I want to come back to that return on tangible equity number of 10%. No one expected it to come in at 10%. We were looking for a forecast of 8.5%. Maybe that would have been an increase from the last quarter, but this is a really, really strong number. And I'm keen to hear what Tijan Tian Tian has to say about how the company has reached that number. Because to be honest, to be frank, the market and the analyst community, they didn't think that this year Credit Suisse was able to get to that figure. They thought that he was way too ambitious. So we'll see what's actually behind that number. I want to talk about the wealth management business. 9.5 billion Swiss franc in net new assets. That seems to be stronger than forecast as well. The wealth management net profit number also seems to be a bit of a beat. Global markets, we know that was extremely difficult uh, given sales and trading of fixed income and equities was down across the board when it came to some of the U.S. rivals. It seems like they did a little bit better than the rest of the industry. Equity sales and trading are actually up 3% year-on-year. Fixed income sales and trading up 11%. Again, we know other parts of the investment bank were tough when it came to primary and advisory. And yes, investment banking, uh, IBCM revenues were down 30% on the quarter. So that is no surprise whatsoever. Company maintaining a strong capital position of 12.5%. That seems to be in with expectations and their outlook for the current quarter, that seems somewhat more optimistic than I personally would have expected. Healthy levels of client engagement in the third quarter so far, but they also cautioned this saying it remains to be seen whether this actually translates into activity. And that's really the crux of the matter, isn't it? We know that they have strong inflows. We know that a lot of people trust these banks, Credit Suisse and, and UBS. But to what extent can they translate this into high margin business? That's the key question. All right. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed for that, uh, Carolyn Roth updating. And of course, uh, soon to speak uh, to Tijan Tiem, the CEO. Right. We'll also be speaking to Lars Machinel. What about the numbers over yes, at BNP Yes. All right. Paribas? So from one bank to another, let's uh, break down some of those BNP numbers now. So the BNP second quarter net profit has come in at 2.47 billion euros. That is up from 2.39 billion, billion euros from one year ago. Uh, their Q2 revenue is up 0.2 percentage terms uh, at 11.2 billion euros. That's also up from 11.21 billion euros. So marginal increase on the top line there. Uh, let's break it down by division, though. The corporate and investment banking division's second quarter revenue is up 
4% at 3.1 billion euros, up from 2.98 billion euros one year ago. They said that the CIB business had improved in the second quarter due to cost-cutting and favorable market conditions. Uh, also, one big focus for the French bank is their tier one ratio that is stood at, uh, has come in at 11.9% versus 11.7% uh, at the end of the first quarter. So marginal improvement there when it comes to their tier one. And again, uh, just to put it into perspective, uh, on the year, the stock is up about six percentage points. Uh, there was a lot of focus on their CIB business. It looks as though that business has indeed come in better than expectations. Revenues higher for the year, uh, despite challenging market conditions. Uh, but uh, speaking to CNBC and our very own Juliana Tattelbaum earlier, uh, CFO Lars Machinal said a deal to take control of Deutsche Bank's prime services is actually making good progress. The market share has been moving forward, and you can see that. That's, for example, the preliminary agreement we have with Deutsche Bank, where BNP Paribas would be the referral bank so their clients can continue their activities. Progress is going much faster than we expected. So progress is better than expected. Some bright spots there coming on a BNP and Credit Suisse to kick off the day. Uh, we will have more from the CFO, Lars Machinal, that is at 7.30 CET. Just a quick word on what we said at the top of the show. And you know, obviously a lot of banks reporting. I'll get to Swiss Re, which is reporting as well in a few seconds' time. Mm. I said there was an 81% chance of a 25 basis point cut it, from the Federal Reserve today. You told no, 100%, me... 100%. 100%. It's and now, I think this is worth clarifying. The market has made a hundred to zero bet on a rate cut today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, mm. ladies and gentlemen, is yeah, why the market... All the, I, putting all your eggs in one basket. Mm. extraordinary. I mean, I thought 81% was punchy. I mean, yes, but of you course. You know, it, it raises a bigger question, Steve, which is about the communication of uh, central banks these days. It really and, does. and the tendency to really telegraph your v- yeah. every single step. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for that. It means, you know, it's done. I mean, it's just a guess about the commentary going forward. Okay, Swiss Re shares, 5.8% higher so far this year. First half net premiums earned and fee income up 7.9% year on year to $18.2 billion. Uh, PNC reinsurance income, net income up 2.5% return on equity. Uh, very interesting, 15.9%. I did just skirt over one figure there, which is very important. Combined ratio at PNC reinsurance is 100.5. That's not profitable. That is not profitable business. Anything above 100, not profitable business. So, yes, um, the netting come up, but, you know, by and large, the business has been underwritten at unprofitable levels. ROE at the group was 6.6%. Return on equity at the group, 6.6%. One more comment for you. The CEO says on the outlook, we are very pleased to see the strength of our reinsurance franchise coming back to the fore. Um, retains the objective to reduce its ownership in order to consolidate uh, reassure, of course, reassure was uh, uh, an issue that Jeff has been probing the mm. CFO, John Dacey, about many times. Uh, and I believe Carolyn will be speaking to him and we'll bring you that interview at 9.15. Just on reassure, Steve, it's interesting. They're saying that the IPO process, uh, a relaunch of the IPO process in 2019 is not envisaged there. So he's uh, ruling it out for the rest of the well, year. Well, I've got one word to say to them. Beyond meat. Mm-hmm. Beyond meat. And they, isn't people, that two words? people are going to me, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> And the point being yeah. is if you can IPO, you can mm. IPO. If the price is right, the price is right. Right, come on, Solvay. Well, come on, we're under right, a lot of pressure. There's a gentleman right, in the back more, of the gallery earnings, who's just earnings. barking right. this morning. <laughs> Jeepers. All right, we've done uh, two banks, uh, one insurer, and uh, now we're going to talk about uh, Solvay. So let's uh, get on to their results here. So uh, Solvay have backed their 2019 guidance uh, for the year. The second quarter underlying net sales have come in at $2.65 billion versus $2.6 billion a year ago. So 
So the sales uh, are progressing better than where they were. Uh, as I said, they've confirmed their 2019 full year outlook and they had revised the, that outlook uh, in the first quarter. Uh, underlying EBITDA came in at 624 million versus 643 million a year ago. So a little bit weaker when you look at it uh, on a year on year basis when it comes to their bottom line. Uh, free cash flow has turned positive. That's a positive sign uh, to 100, uh, Euro 33 million, uh, 33 million Euro in the first half of the year. And uh, yep, so that's it. And they basically beat the second the quarter estimates and they've confirmed their guidance. We will be speaking to the CEO, Ilham Kadri. That is at 8.45 CET to All see right, how great. Uh, the they're thinking about the business. Manager, Amundi, French-based company as well, asset manager as well. Net profit up 4.9% in the second quarter. 245 million euros versus 234 last time round. AUM, assets under management, up 4.3% to 1.49% trillion euros. One company trying to find a home for 1.49 trillion euros. Interesting, isn't that? Right, they say the CIB, that's the big one, that's the uh, BMP flash, he's hitting on the same one. Amundi says uh, inflow target 2020 is more uncertain to be reached. There you go, that's interesting. So more uncertainty about reaching the targets for 2020. Uh, right, let us move on. A return to growth, record revenues and better than expected profits in the third quarter have driven Apple shares up 4% in after hours trading. Josh Litson has the details. Apple reporting and besting expectations. The company reporting EPS of $2.18 on revenue of $53.8 billion. Analysts have been looking for $2.10 on revenue of $53.4 billion. As for Q4 guidance, Apple is saying to look for between $61 and $64 billion. So analysts have been looking for $61 billion. Uh, gross margins for the company in Q3 came in at 37.6% as expected. iPhone revenue $26 billion, roughly in line with expectations. That was down 12%. Keep in mind, though, um, it is less bad than the prior quarter. In Q2, iPhone revenue had been down 17%. iPad revenue, $5 billion. Services revenue, $11.5 billion. Now, that's up 13%, but Apple will be quick to emphasize that in a year ago period, they did have this one-time litigation settlement. So if you normalize for that, it's up 15% from the comparable figure a year ago. Uh, services margins in the quarter, 64.1%. Wearables, home and accessories, 5.5%. 5 billion that beat expectations wearables up more than 50% and mac revenue at 5.8 billion this quarter greater china revenue 9.2 billion that was down about 4% remember in q2 though uh, greater china revenue been down more than 20% i did have the chance to speak briefly with apple ceo tim cook uh, we talked about the iphone franchise and part of what's weighing on that franchise the replacement cycle is getting longer i mean people are holding on to their iphones longer I did ask Cook whether his company's trade-in program, though, is having a, a material positive impact on that. Cook said that it was. He told me it was a key part of the improvement sequentially. Also, the trading and financing program were key to our results in China. It was an important part of what we did. In addition to what I mentioned last call, Cook saying that we were going to ignore the FX changes and essentially lower the price. And so that, combined with the trade-ins and the financing programs, as well as the government stimulus, which included a VAT reduction, all these things mixed together explaining the negative 20 going to negative four in China. I also did ask Cook about these potential tariffs coming his way and whether he's shifted his supply chain at all in response to those possible tariffs. Cook tell me he has not, saying we've made no significant changes. Keep in mind for us, our products are made everywhere. You look underneath the hood, you've got a significant amount of the silicon coming from the US. You've got displays coming from Japan and Korea. The aggregate, he's told me, looks very different when you portion it out by country. 
Josh Lipton, CNBC Business News, Cupertino, California. Absolutely fascinating. And of mm. course, not surprising that Josh spent so much time talking about China at the yeah. end there. Yeah. Uh, you know, what was interesting, actually, if you look at uh, some of the commentary that Tim Cook made yesterday, obviously, one of the positive takeaways was their uh, better than expected guidance for the second half of the year. But in respect to China, he says we've made off the charts significant progress in China. Very interesting commentary there. And then uh, when our colleague Josh asked him about whether or not they were thinking of uh, changing some of their uh, distribution chains or uh, thinking to relocate out of China, he said, absolutely not. We still have exposure to China as we have exposure to other countries around the world. So uh, uh, it will be interesting to see how the president would react to those comments. Uh, and, and certainly that is one of the negatives because they're still very much on the radar uh, from a political perspective. But just looking at the numbers here, um, very positive all around. It, clearly, they've managed to turn it around, things around from the first quarter. That rosy guidance uh, into the second half of the year is uh, definitely you know, boosting people's expectations. Also, one thing that's interesting, Steve, and we talked about this with um, Elizabeth the other day, their smartphone revenues used to be comprised about 60% of their total business about a year ago. Now you're seeing the emergence of their wearables, services, businesses, other businesses are going to compensate. And actually, this is the first uh, quarter ever that the smartphone revenue accounted for less than 50% of their total revenue at 48%. Um, uh, as an inquisitive soul, I would just say about the margins. Is the margin on SaaS, is the margin on wearables as good as the margin has been historically on iPhones? I wonder. I don't know the answer, but I think that's where I would probably take that conversation next when I was looking at the comparison mm. between iPhones and these new wave of services as well. I would imagine services under a lot of competitive pressure, given what we've heard from the provider of those services, the likes of Spotify and others. The other thing I want to make a point is, it's slightly divergent, is the fact that this is a trillion dollar company, basically. It's $960.6 billion as of last night's close as well. The shares are up 33% so far this year, 9.3% higher on the 12-month picture as well. But the oscillation in performance of this stock, which has gone from $142 to $233, and of course, uh, somewhere in between those two at the moment, makes a lot of difference to a lot of people's wallet as well. I mean, it's a huge company, huge mm. concentration of wealth uh, in these very few companies. Of course, Amazon, uh, Google, and Facebook making up the rest of the GAFA companies as well. So just, just the concentration of wealth on these numbers, yeah. the oscillation in performance, um, that matters so much more and, than so many other companies. And, and that's a very valid point. And also what's interesting about this earnings season is that most of the upside surprises have come from tech. Best performing sector in the S&P for this month has been the tech sector. So that the herding performance can benefit, but also it can be uh, very detrimental if indeed we do see it turning tail. Right, okay, coming up on the show, it's been a year of relentless criticism, but today the Fed Chair Jerome Powell might give President Trump, well, something of what he's been looking for. I think Mr. Trump's tweets yesterday were saying he wants a bit more, doesn't he? Anyway, we're head to break. Uh, here's a reminder of the back and forth. I'm not gonna fire him, I'm just disappointed uh, at the clip, I think it's far too fast. I have a four-year term and I, I fully intend to serve it. Obama had somebody that kept the rates very low. I had somebody that raised the rates very rapidly, too much. When you see central banks lacking those protections, you see bad things happening. And that includes, by the way, our experience here in the United States. CNBC signature event. 
East Tech West. CNBC's exclusive invitation-only retreat returns to Nanshao, Guangzhou, China in 2019. We explore all things tech from artificial intelligence to 5G. Join the world's most prolific investors, inventors and entrepreneurs as they share their stories and celebrate innovation. Visit EastTechWest.com for an application to attend. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box. Well, it is finally here. Fed Day is here. We've been talking about it for weeks now. Will they cut 25 basis points? Will they cut 50 basis points? These are questions that investors want to know. And also, they want to hear about guidance. What is Chair Chairman Powell going to say about the outlook here? Is he going to guide towards further rate cuts? In terms of expectations, Steve and I were just talking about it. A 25 basis point cut is 100% priced in. So the market is fully accounting for the cut, about three or four basis points worth of an additional 25 basis points cuts are also priced in as well going into this meeting. But this was the picture for Wall Street yesterday. We had a somewhat of a softish close across the board. Dow ended the session about 20 points lower, S&P about eight points lower, about a quarter of a percentage point. So a little bit of weakness there. But we did get some stronger reports after hours. We were just talking about Apple. That's stock was trading up about four and a half percent on better than expected revenue for the quarter and better guidance as well. Uh, bear in mind that we're also about 75 percent, sorry, about half of the way through earnings season here for the S&P 500. So far, 75 percent of these companies have posted a better than a forecasted profit. So the earnings season is doing quite well, though you wouldn't think it perhaps looking at yesterday's Wall Street performance. So, so that was the picture for equities. I want to take you to FX markets here. Now, here's what's interesting. As I mentioned, the market is pretty much 100 percent pricing in a 25 basis points cut out of the Fed. What would you think the dollar would do in that circumstance? You would think the dollar would trade weaker. Actually, we've seen the eighth positive session in a row for the U.S. dollar. The dollar basket is tracking 2 percent firmer for the month of July here. So very interesting uh, performance out of the dollar. Uh, but this is the picture for sterling. We're seeing a bit of a bounce. But mind you, we've dropped about four big figures in four sessions. So sterling is trading at 121.60 here, stabilizing somewhat. Seems to have found a bottom for the time being. And then we've got euro. I have to say, you're pretty much unchanged versus where we were going into the ECB meeting last week. So perhaps Mr. Draghi is looking at that and not so happy with the developments there. So that is the picture uh, for FX markets. Let's talk about Asia. It was not a pretty session for Asian equities overnight. Shanghai Composite down half a percentage point. Some weaker factory orders there coming out of China. The third month in a, in a row of contractionary territory. Hang Seng also down 1.2%. And then the Nikkei also trading a little bit softer as well. We didn't get a lot out of the Bank of Japan yesterday, apart from an intention to ease more if things deteriorate. Uh, but again, very heavy session and also not helping uh, that the president has made some disparaging remarks ahead of those all-important uh, discu discussions uh, in Shanghai between uh, U.S. Treasury Representative Robert Lighthizer Mnuchin and China officials about uh, some form of a resolution uh, on the trade front. Uh, so not, not a lot of optimism in Asian equities overnight. Let's talk about European open calls, though, because yesterday was a heavy session for European markets. We had the German DAX trade down 
over 2% weaker. But today it looks as though all of the indices are looking to open slightly up in the green. You want to watch out for the GDP numbers coming up later as well as inflation. Let's not forget on the macro front. The Fed moved, in my opinion, far too early and far too severely. It puts me at a somewhat of a disadvantage. Fortunately, I've made the economy so strong that nothing's going to stop us. But the Fed could have made it a lot easier. I would like to see a large cut, and I'd like to see immediately the quantitative tightening stop. It should be stopped. For them to have done quantitative tightening and also higher interest rates simultaneously, I think was a big mistake. So let's get this right. The president wants aggressive rate cutting from the Federal Reserve, yeah? The market is expecting aggressive rate cutting from the Federal Reserve. The market's priced in almost 100 basis points in total by the end of next year. 425 basis point rate cuts, a couple of 50 basis points there. But this is a fact. The current economic expansion in the US is the longest uninterrupted period of growth in mm -hmm. modern recorded history, okay? Mm. So let's just have these facts. The market's expecting four big rate cuts, but we've had the longest expansion uninterrupted in recorded history. Plus, plus, and here's my last thing I want to say. The president tweeted very recently, in the last week or so, our economy is the best it's ever been. The economy is the best it's ever been. Best employment and stock market numbers ever. You can't have it always. I'll just leave it there. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.